Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adewumi. Uh, you can see the sun is still up. That's why I'm putting on this, uh, this cup. I pray that the Lord will give us understanding. I'm going to just give some exhortation from the scriptures. And many, several things that the Lord has been showing to us. I'm going to call this one sundry revelations. Sundry, that is varieties of revelations. One of them is that, do you know the harvest of the world has already started? Father, show us the guidance in this exhortation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to understand it and those that are listening to understand it. Let me read Matthew chapter 13 for you. Matthew chapter 13, talking about the harvesting of the world. As the Lord put it, he gave us a parable. This is the parable of the tears and the wheat which you will see in Matthew chapter 13, beginning from let me see the parable of the tears, because there are so many parables in this chapter 13, but the one I want is the parable of the tears in the field. That's the verse 24. Another parable put it forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tears also. So the servants of the household, householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then as it tears? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tears, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tears, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. That was the parable the Lord gave to the disciples and then he gave the meaning of that parable when they came and asked him in verse 36 which is very important because this is talking about this world that God has created and this is what he's going to explain and I'm going to make you to see that the harvesting time has already started let's see I will explain what I mean by that verse 36 of Matthew chapter 13. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, 
declare unto us the parable of the tears of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man, as himself, Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tears are the children of the wicked one. Now, let's point that one out. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ said, the good seed are the children, human beings, human beings. The children of the kingdom, these are the ones that are coming in. The tears are the children that will not come into the kingdom of God. They want to have their own way. They don't believe in God, or they are atheists, or they don't want... They are all children of the wicked one. Satan is the wicked one. Verse 39. The enemy that sold them is the devil. You see now? The devil have some seed on that. That are human beings too. Saturday, well, what happened in the Garden of Eden? Cain was the beginning of them. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tears are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. This is the Lord Jesus Christ that gave us this parable and the meaning of it. Verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. So it is, it is how the Lord always presents his sermon. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. You that is listening to me, you may not, if you are not a believer, if you have fears to hear, may you hear that there will be an end where there is going to be judgment and the tears will be gathered and thrown into the furnace of fire. That is talking about the lake of fire at the end, which you see in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, that there will be all the dead will be resurrected. All will stand before God in the end. But before that, there will be this harvesting that is taking place. And the harvest is what I want to talk about. I said it's already started in, the, in what God gave to the Israelites, which is the normal thing in the world. If anybody plants a field of corn or wheat or whatever you have, there will be a time when those are beginning to produce fruit. And there is what we call the first fruit, the one that ripens first. And the farmer is expected to go to the field and take the first fruits out of there because if you don't take them out, what will happen? They will overripe and fall off while the others are still trying to ripe. So they go there at a particular time in their harvesting. It's called the first fruit harvest. And they take gather those and they are to give it to the temple. That's what the Bible called, told them, according to the book of Moses, they have to give that to the temple. They have to eat it, it's first fruits. Then, maybe some months later, the real harvest will come where they will gather all the fields and there will be so many. If they have done God's first, God will give them bountiful harvest. This world is what you can say is, is plantation. This planet earth. You see, the world is the field. But he says he's the one that planted the good seed, which is the children of the kingdom. But the tears are the children of the wicked one, which means Satan came and planted some seed that are human beings also, they begin to show for their wickedness and iniquity. They will never repent. Look at when Christ was preaching. Just God from heaven himself preaching to them in Israel, in Jerusalem, and they were debating him, calling him, calling him devil. 
which means they don't belong to the seed. And that's what Jesus Christ said. Well, let's look at that in John, in Gospel of John. See, it's not like a, some people thought uh, this tribe. No, it's not a tribe. It's individual. Or these people are this race. No, it's not a race. It's individual. You can be white, black, yellow, purple, green, red. If you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't belong to him. You are not a seed of God. And you can even come from the same parents. And one is from the seed of God, and the other one can be from the seed of the devil. So you have to know that it's not uh, by race or anything. But he's opening the gospel to everybody. Come on, to me, anyone that wants. In the Gospel of John chapter 8, this is when Logica was talking to the, uh, to the Jews. They actually came around him and said, John chapter 10, let me read out of John chapter 10. These are the Jews that are believing, claiming to be the, the, the people of God in that generation. And they have a problem believing Jesus is the Messiah. These are the unbelieving Jews, not all of them, just the unbelieving Jews. But they were the ones ruling the temple. And verse 22 is what I want to read to you. These are the Jews that didn't believe. Say, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. And it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. You see that? As if they wanted to, as if they tell him by his own mind they would believe. And what did Jesus Christ answer them? Jesus answered and said, I told you, and you believe not. That means he is the Christ, not so. He said, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You know that's in the Bible? Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 25. Verse 26 says, But ye believe not, he's now addressing these people that surrounded him and asking him that, Why are you making us to doubt? If you are Christ, tell us plainly. And he's telling them, I told you, and you believe not. He said, But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. Now, that tells you something. But they are Jews, yeah, but they are not of his sheep. Who are his sheep? Those that are believing. Hallelujah. If you can't believe, then maybe you are not, you are, maybe you are not a seed of God. That means God, Jesus Christ didn't plant you here or not. Maybe Satan planted you here or not. And that's what he said. He said the seed of the tears were planted by the enemy, the wicked one. Now, how did that happen? It's happened from the spirit world. What happened in the Garden of Eden that was summarized for us, that uh, the serpent beguiled me and I did it. It was much more than a, an animal visited a woman and this and that. Something happened in the spirit world. That's really how far we can say because we do not know the detail of it. But he just like gave us his clue. The enemy planted some seed on that. That's why they will never repent. They will never believe. They even say they are worshipping God. But when God showed up, they don't believe him. Because these Jews say they are worshipping God in the temple. But when God became man, the Lord Jesus Christ, they couldn't agree with him. And they crucified him. So that is really what Jesus Christ says. He said, I told you and you believe not. But he said, you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So what I, why am I pointing to this Bible verse? To make you to see that there are two seeds or not. The seed of God and the seed of Satan that he planted upon himself. And if you couldn't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you must be the seed of Satan. But if you are believing and you are or your heart is longing for god and you believe jesus is the lord manifested in the flesh then you are a seed of god 
And that is really what it boils down to in this uh, parable of our Lord Jesus Christ of Matthew chapter 13. Now, now, what I was trying to point out to all of us is that the harvesting has already started. It's already started. The first fruit harvest. Look at what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. When he died and went to the grave, he resurrected. Look at Matthew chapter 27, where the Bible says Jesus Christ is the first fruit of resurrection. I mean, he was to resurrect first. So the harvesting has already started, friends. When the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected, the Bible said some dead saints rose up with him. You see that in uh, Matthew chapter 20. Chapter 27. This is when Jesus Christ was crucified. Matthew chapter 27, start from verse 51. Actually, from verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. That's when he died on the cross. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Verse 52 is where I'm going. And the graves were opened. Graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. I mean, some, some dead saints in the Jerusalem area. They arose from the grave. And which means their dead bones that have been there just became human beings and they came up. But where did they go after that? They followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at that. He said, They arose in verse 53 and came out of the graves after his resurrection. That is, when Jesus Christ resurrected, those saints, specifically God has chosen some of them, some numbered ones, they came out of the graves. After Jesus Christ resurrected, I didn't write this. We are already reading it right now. Go and look at it in your Bible. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 53. He said, They came out of the grave after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, after that, where did they go? You think they went back to the graves? Uh, no. They must have gone with him to heaven when he was growing up. He said, I've got to appear before my father first. No, so. And then, of course, when he was going away, before the apostles, before the disciples, they saw him going to the cloud. And people believe that the cloud is the presence of those saints that were resurrected with him. But what I'm pointing out is that that is the first fruit. Now, there are two types of first fruit. And Jesus Christ typified both. There will be the first fruits of those that were dead and buried for thousands of years. They are to be resurrected. God says he's going to resurrect everyone that is that is on the graves. That's what the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 20. That is part of the harvesting. But the first fruit of that has to also take place. And the Lord Jesus Christ dying and resurrecting himself is said to be the first fruit. Look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul mentioned that Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection. Now, I also said the rapture is another, another form of thing that I'm going to go to that. Let me not jump ahead of myself here. First, in First Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul was describing the resurrection and he said everything will be according to their own order. That is when God is going to be resurrecting the dead, it will be in order 
verse 22 and 23. He said, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's verse 22 of First Corinthians chapter 15. Read it from, from, your, from your own Bible. Verse 20 said, But every man in his own order. That is, God is going to resurrect the day all the day, but it's in order. According to what this Bible says, every man in his own order. So God is an orderly, an orderly God. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, day that are Christ at his coming. You understand that now? That is the harvesting is to start. The harvesting of the planet Earth. So how we how I understand this is that this as Christ said it, this is the field. He has planted wheat in this field. And what is this wheat? Human beings. And then is to, to harvest them into his kingdom. So that when we become, when we are harvested into his kingdom, we will be as angels. You can imagine maybe all the angels that are in heaven, that is how they are also harvested, who knows, from other, from other projects. But for this planet, ah, for human, human beings, the sons of Adam, this is what God is planned to do. Harvesting them into his kingdom. That's why Christ said we shall be as angels in the end. But now it has started. See, the first fruit has to come when they were raising the day. Say, oh, you know, everybody is going to their order. Jesus Christ is the first fruit. So the Lord Jesus Christ has to resurrect first. But after he resurrected, he brought some saints with him out of the grave. That when we, those are the first fruits with him that went up. But that's first fruit of resurrection. Now you remember when they came out of the grave as resurrection, it's different from raising the dead. We can go when a brother died and we go there and pray over his body and he come back to life in that same body, even though he healed, but that is not resurrection. That is raising the dead. Take for example, the Lord Jesus Christ raised up Lazarus in the book of John, Gospel of John chapter 11. He came over there. Lazarus was already there four days in the grave. But his body was still there, even though it looked like he's already rotting. But when Jesus Christ called him back to that body, a miracle happened. His body was healed and ready and came back alive. But that is not resurrection, that is raising the dead. Because he is not given a new body that is immortal. That's why it's not called resurrection. Now, the dead saints that were said they came out of their graves when Jesus Christ resurrected, they had a body that will now be immortal. Never to go to the grave anymore. That is the resurrection that we are talking about. The, uh, all the dead that the Bible said they will be resurrected and stand before God, they will be given immortal bodies. Immortal means they are no more physically dying or rotting or sickness. Immortal bodies, whether they are wicked or they are holy, they will all be given immortal body in the resurrection. The wicked ones with their immortal body will be thrown into the lake of fire with Satan. Because Satan is also a spirit that will be that is immortal, so that's why they are going to the lake of fire. So that is the resurrection. That's why I'm trying to make you to see the difference. But raising the dead is not as if they come into this physical mortal body some years later, Lazarus, perhaps 50, 40, 20 years later, maybe he will die again also. But Jesus Christ, when he came, this is the second part I'm trying to point out. Jesus Christ resurrected into that same body that was in the grave for three days, remember? And he took that body out, now immortal. So, the Lord Jesus Christ was symbolizing two first fruits, so to speak. First fruits of the resurrection, that get a, an immortal body. And then, because the body was not rotting, and he took the body out and walked around, and that makes that body immortal, it's also typifying the saints that are going to be raptured, and that will not go to the grave. 
because there will be at the end of this time, at the end of the world, the dead in Christ shall rise forever. We that are alive, Apostle Paul says it in First Thessalonians chapter four, that there will be saints that are alive and will not die before that rapture. They also will be given immortal body, like the Lord Jesus Christ's body that was not rotting, but he was he took it out of the grave and he made it immortal, so that he is alive forever more right now and also. So that is the difference. The saints of God are able to be raptured in the twinkling of a line will be given immortal body that will not rot him, that will not die anymore. And that is rapture. Is that started? That's what Jesus Christ demonstrated also. So that he is the first fruit of the resurrection. And also he is the first example of the people that are going to take immortal body when they, when they are raptured because that's what he did with his physical body. And then there will be the finest a final harvesting when you say when Christ shall come, when the dead in Christ shall rise, for that will be the general harvesting. And all that are around will be that are saints of God will be caught up to me, the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. That is the general harvesting. And that is what Jesus Christ said. And I'm trying to describe to you that harvesting has already started. The first fruit is already done. So what are we waiting for now? The general harvest. The general harvest. We are all the dead. Not all the dead, all the dead in Christ. Look at that in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. That is, this, there's a progress, a process, a order. God is doing this orderly. So the first one already started, as I say, remember, the harvest has already started. Which side are you? Are you going to be in, in the kingdom of God or are you in the kingdom of the devil? The harvest has already started. The first fruit has already taken place in the first fruit of the resurrection. And now, chapter 20 tells us what will be happening. You know, after Satan is bound and put in the bottomless pit, chapter 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. You know, he's talking about the end of the world, people that will overcome the Antichrist. And they lived. And reign with Christ a thousand years. Now he said, verse 5 say, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now he call it first resurrection because it's different from the first fruits resurrection, which Christ is the first fruit with those people that he brought out of the grave with him, which are few. Well, they say few. The 25 elders that were shown in the book of Revelation chapter 4, very likely they were among those if they are not the only people. That were taken out of the graves when Jesus Christ resurrected. Why? Because they were called elders, they were human beings that have been transported to the heaven. That's really what I believe that is. Now, the first resurrection is when all the saints that have died in Christ will be resurrected to go up and meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the sky with the believers that are alive at that time. He said, We that are alive, as Apostle Paul said it in the first Thessalonians chapter 4. When he was talking to the apostle, the apostle said that, verse 13 said, But I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which shall sleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which shall sleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That is the first resurrection. That was mentioned in Revelation chapter 20 that I just read. Then we, Apostle Paul said, we was thinking we'll still be alive at that time, but we know it's going to be at this end of the world at our time. We wish our life and remain. Remain in Christ. Remain and not be killed by the Antichrist. That's what he's talking about. Remain because there were persecution at this end of the world, just like there were persecution in their own time too. And they were going through persecution. That's why he said, we that are alive and remain. But no, we know that one faced away. We are at this end of the world where there will be an Antichrist system. That was always of persecution according to Revelation chapter 13 verse 7. And we that are alive and remain till that time Christ comes will be suddenly disappeared. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We are for comfort one another with these words. That is our comfort that the Lord is coming soon. Our comfort is that we are going to go meet him in the sky. And the time is drawing near. If you are not a believer, you better repent right now. And call upon the Lord Jesus Christ so that he may have peace upon you. And if you are born again, begin to prepare as the Lord is coming soon. Now, that is the first part of this sermon that I'm trying to talk to you about. That is the, rest, the, revival, the harvesting has already started. The first fruit harvest is already done. The Lord Jesus Christ is the first fruit with the dead saints that he resurrected with him. And they are gone up to, to heaven. Now, we are waiting for the general harvest. Like when a farmer planted field and he see that the field is already ripe, you see all the first fruit arrive, he took them out, give it to the temple. That's what is happening. They are going to be given to heaven. That's why those 24 elders are now in heaven. Okay. Then, that's the temple. That's the temple of God. I say, give these first fruits to the high priest and so on and so forth. They are waiting for the general harvest. And that is what we are waiting for right now. When Christ shall come and take the rapture. The sins are away and the dead in Christ shall be resurrected. That is the general harvest we are waiting for. If you are not ready, you better get ready. Rather, if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you better repent and come up to Jesus Christ so that you can be saved. Now, I'm going to change here now. And this next section, I'm going to more or less point to something that is very important that may help you also in the body of Christ. Thank you, Father. I just pray that people that are listening to this, they are blessed and they will will be quickening their pace because the Lord is coming soon. Now, this time I want to talk about the great king of Jerusalem. The great king of Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned this in, uh, when he was talking in, to the, when he was preaching. He said, swear not by your head, neither swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. People wonder, they didn't understand what he was talking about when he said the city of the great king. And there's, this, is a, this is the mystery of the great king. There's only one king that will be the king of Jerusalem that we have triple crown. What is triple crown? He has to be a king, he has to be a prophet, and he has to be a priest. Triple crown in the system of God. And there's only one king that we have that triple crown ministry. That will be the king in Jerusalem. All the kings in Israel from the time of David till now never have triple crown. That's why they say the great king is the one that is going to have a triple crown, and that is the Messiah, really. But how to prove that this is the Messiah is what I want to point to you from the scriptures, from the scriptures, and from what happened when Jesus Christ was on earth. 
That is what I want to point to you, that he is the great king. And that's why he told them that, swear not by your head, swear not by even Jerusalem, because it's the city of the great king. And he didn't mention to them who is the great king, because he is the great king. And he, but the Jews, that's what he was talking about. Now, let's see. This is an ordinance that was set up by God. Let's start from the book of Genesis to see when a mysterious figure called Melchizedek appeared to Abraham. They say Melchizedek was somebody that was what? It's in Matthew, it's in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Now that's all he said. He was king and he was priest. That's Melchizedek. Now, we do not know how Abraham knew about this man. But when you go back to the book of Hebrews, Apostle Paul, we believe, wrote the book of Hebrews, pointed out that this Melchizedek has no father, no mother, no beginning of this, no end of life. That is, nobody can trace where it came from. He just appeared to Abraham and said, and blessed Abraham. Abraham gave him tithes. Of all the spoil of the war, gave him tithes. In many other places, the Lord Jacob said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was there. Some scholars believe that Jesus Christ was referring to when he appeared to, make, to Abraham in form of Melchizedek. Why? Because, look at it. In the New Testament, the Bible said the Lord Jesus Christ is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's our high priest. Well, does that, is there any other high priest called Melchizedek somewhere here that Jesus Christ is just secondary? No. He said he's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Perhaps he was Melchizedek. Because in the book of A, hey, let's read it to you in the book of Hebrews. We are, we are Apostle Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews said, verse chapter 7 of Hebrews, chapter 7. He said, For this Melchizedek, verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, see, he's a king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, he's also a priest, actually, when he appeared to Abraham. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave his tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness. That's his name. The meaning of Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Sedek is like king because in the in the among the Jebusites, they have their title, Adonis Sedek, and so so Sedek. That is like a like a dynasty. So that's where the word Sedek comes from. But he says Meki Sedek, which means King of Righteousness. Meki will then interpret as righteousness. King, righteousness of King. King, righteous, righteous King. He is King of Righteousness. That's the interpretation of his name. And after that, also say he's also the King of Salem. What does that King of Salem mean? Which is King of Peace, because Salem means peace. Jerusalem simply means House of Peace. But Meki called himself King of Salem. And you have to know, in those days, when Abraham was talking to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, the place called Jerusalem was not called Salem. It was called Jebus. According to the Old Testament, it was not called Jerusalem. But this Melchizedek said he's king of Salem. So I don't think he was talking about Salem in on earth. Talking of Salem in heaven. 
because you have said there's another Jerusalem in heaven. No, so the heavenly Jerusalem. So when he called himself King of Salem, uh, we can now see that he was only talking about the, the land called Jerusalem or not, because there was no the city was not called Jerusalem on that time. So, but when he appeared in the days of Abraham, if there was no Salem or not, so he must be talking about Salem here in heaven. Also. And that is what I, uh, this, this uh, Hebrew chapter 7 was pointing out. And he now wanted to point to us who is this Mechizedek. But still he said, This Mechizedek was without father. What? Without mother. What? Without descent. I mean, he doesn't have any children. Having neither the beginning of this nor end of life. Who could that be? That has to be God. No beginning of this, no end of life. That has to be God, not so. But made like unto the Son of God, abided a priest continually. It was God manifested in form of a priest. That's what we can say. If, the, if this rendering is to be accepted, and we accepted it in the Bible, in the Gospel. If you accept that, then he must be somebody that has no father, that the Bible says he has no father and no mother. Well, he must be eternal. No beginning of this, that's God. No end of life, that's got to be God. And the Lord Jesus Christ only came and put on a human body. And then he went back into glory. And he said, before Abraham, your father was, I am. <laughs> Don't you know this? It's not just a 30 year. Some people thought like this other religion, say, where he was just a good prophet, like the, more the, the Islamic religion. So he's just a prophet. They honor him. But no, he's more than just a prophet. It's God manifested in the flesh. That's why the Bible says, you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. That's why you can pray to Jesus because you are talking to the same person. Say, I am my father, are uh, the same person. That's what he meant. That's why the Jews wanted to stone him. You make yourself God. When they translate that out to English, it doesn't make sense to so why they are angry at that. I am my father, I won. So people think he was thinking that we are just, my and my father will just agree. No, he said, I am my father, are the same person. That's really what that interpretation could, could be meaning. That's why the Jews throw, took up stones. You are making yourself God. Because he said, I am my father, are the same person. And that is why when he was talking to the apostles in the Gospel of John chapter 14, when they were now, they were themselves confused. They said, well, show us the Father. This is chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. And here is the last part. We just was talking to them that don't be troubled. In verse 6, Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you have known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him. And have seen him. Just imagine that. This is when you are about to go to the cross. If he's going to put these disciples at rest, better tell them the secret now. The truth of truth. And he said, well, if you have known me, you will have known my Father. From henceforth, you know him and you have seen him. And one of them was bold enough to say, well, I don't think we have seen him yet. That's what Philip said. That's it. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And he suffices us. I mean, he's been praying to the Father, talking about, my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to my Father. Show us the Father. And what the logical answer is, that should tell you that the secret of secret. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet, as thou not know me, Philip, 
Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. What? I have said, what? You are the Father? And how says thou then show us the Father? Believe thou know that I am in the Father and the Father in me. God is a spirit. The only way you can see me is if he, man, if he put on the human body. That's what he did. The spirit inside him is the Father. And in this body they are looking at is just a coat that we are wearing. But because it's God, he put his coat down and went to, to, with them into the hell and did everything over there and came back and put that, carried that body and it's up. And that's why he said, we are two or three are gathered and I'm there in their midst. The omnipresent God. Don't think of the physical man that, well, that can be only present in this location. He is everlasting spirit. And that's why what he was telling them, I'm going to the position of the father. Because in other places he said, my father is greater than I. It means that that position is greater than this position where it's limited. It's limited when he was a human being, when he was wearing that human body or not. But he said, I'm going to the father. They thought he was going to... to they say, there are many ways they are describing it. He said, well, he's sitting at the right hand of God. Yeah. But it's God manifested in the flesh. You can preach this about the God. They go and look at it in the Gospel of... Uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and 4. I preach some of those things so that... There'll be other sermons of God. But what I'm pointing out today is that the great king is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an ordinance from the book of Melchizedek. You can see they, told, they said about Melchizedek was just a king and a priest. They didn't mention that he was a prophet in that when he was talking to Abraham. Maybe we can assume because he said he was blessing Abraham and saying you are the servant of the most high God. So he must have known also. Now this is where the mystery really came to be. When King David, after he became king, and he wanted to go and take over the city called Jerusalem, and take it over from the Jebusites to make it his own capital. Some Second Samuel chapter 5, that's where I'm going. This is where the oracle, idol worshippers oracles, Sometimes God will talk through idol worshippers' oracles to make them know what is the plan of God. That's why sometimes they may see something, but they, they don't know what they are seeing. Second Samuel chapter 5, from verse 6. This is after David was made king over the whole Israel. Before seven years, he was king over, he was king over uh, Hebron. Now comes the time when he was going to be king over Israel. And here it says in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in either. Well, what has that got to do with the military conquest? Here is the king with his army. He wanted to take over this city. And the people surrounding the land, they have a war on the city. And they sent a message to the king of Israel and said, You can't come in here unless you can take away the blind and the lame. But you know something? David got the message. And what the Bible said? They said they are just thinking David cannot come in either. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, which was like a supporting city, like a, there is Jerusalem, there is a small town called Zion in, in, in that area. The same in the city of the so he made that from the city of David. And verse 6 says, And David said on that day, 
whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind, that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Now that is really, that is really what uh, what uh, David did. He turned back from from taking over Jer Jer Jerusalem because the oracle of God told him, "Don't do that. It is it's up for the great king, the great king." Of course, you can say, "Well, they build uh, they own Jerusalem. Not that they don't own Jerusalem, but the king, the great king, will be." Anyone that can take away the blind and the lame. That's what God said is going to be used as a symbol to identify the great king. And that was when the Lord Jesus Christ came and he was preaching about what was the first thing. He was preaching as a, as a prophet. Also, so everybody called him a prophet. He healed the blind man. He did that. He said, it's a prophet. It's a prophet. So he, was, he has the prophetic uh, crown. Now, he also was being hailed as the coming son of David, because the Jews in that generation were believing that there is a son of David, because by that time they didn't have a king. Herod was not accepted as their king. They thought Herod was not from the land of David. They didn't thought he was Herod was not a Jew. So they didn't accept him. That was why they are a governor. The Roman Empire put a governor in, in Jerusalem and let Herod be ruling Galilee. Because the, the, the high priest and the chief priest, they rejected Herod. That is not their king. That was the reason. Okay? Now, when Jesus Christ came, they were saying, this is him, this is the son of David that they were waiting for. A man that will be line of David, that will take them out of, they thought he's going to just take over and drive away the Roman Empire. That was a king, they were waiting for a king. But he came as a prophet first. The only time he rode into Jerusalem as a king is what I want to point to you right now. Look at that in, the, in Matthew chapter 21. The Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem one time as a king, that was when he was riding the donkey and they were all hailing him and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. That's when they are hailing him as the king that is to come. Also. And they are saying, Blessed is he that coming in the name of the Lord. And then he went as a king. So they were, look, look at that in Matthew chapter 21. This is when he, verse 2 is when he told them to go and get that donkey. Verse 4 said, all this was done so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken. Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and the colt, the full of an ass. So he rode into Jerusalem on that day when they were waving and saying, Hosanna to the son of David on the donkey that was riding as a king. So, and then that was done. But then he went into the temple, verse, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold us. Now, that is calling for it. Why? Because the priests and the high priests, they are the only ones that rule the temple. So if a king comes in and started ruling the temple, he's, because he's making himself a priest. That was what Jesus did. And if he was not the great king, that must be king, priest, and prophet, he will have to be in trouble spiritually. Why? Because there was a king that tried to do something like that, Usaiah in the, in the Old Testament. Usaiah was a king that the Bible said he was a great king, he was doing some great things, and God blessed him. Then he puffed himself while he wanted to also do incense on the, in the temple. And the priest went to him and said, No, it's, it's not appartaining to you to be doing incense. That is for the consecrated priest. 
And he got mad at him, and there was leprosy that just fell upon him because he got mad. He disagreed with them. He wanted to be priest also. And still leprosy came upon him immediately. They said he was leprous from that day forward. Right in the temple. He himself ran out when he saw that something fell upon him. That would have been the situation if anyone that you stop their throne that is God saying that that's not for you. So that is really what happened into Isaiah. But Jesus Christ now went into the temple and it was everyone known to be a prophet, but he rode in as a king. Now he started driving people out of the temple, taking control of the temple as the priest. Now the spiritual world is open. Is this the great thing we have been waiting for? Let's see. He must take away the blind and the lame. That is the sign. If he cannot take away the blind and the lame, then it's not the, the great thing, the great thing. But look at what happened next. Verse, 20, verse 14, because Jesus says, and he says, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye made it a den of sin. Verse 14 is where I'm going. Because Matthew that wrote this thing didn't know why he wrote this thing. God must have told him, put it down here. It's only in this chapter that you see it here. Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. And the blind and the lame. Why did he say blind and lame? Because that was the ordinance. That was the oracle. The great king must be known by taking away the blind and the lame. And what did they do? The blind and lame came to him in the temple. They don't normally enter the temple. But something moved upon those blind and lame. Why didn't he say and the sick and the afflicted? No. This is specifically the blind and the lame. And they came to him in the temple. And what did he do? He healed them. That was the third sign that he is the great king. And we have preachers on the radio. Those who believe this thing, you are blessed. And the Jews that keep refusing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, may you repent because Jesus Christ is the great king. And this is the, the third evidence that he was the great king that came into Jerusalem and took over the temple authority. And the blind and lame came to him just like they said, you can't come in here to David unless you can take away the blind and lame. That was an miracle that was declared through the Jebusites. And David recognized and respected it and withdrew from overthrowing Jebusites. But the great king came and he was to be king of Jerusalem. That's why Christ said, don't swear by Jerusalem is the city of the great king. May you understand this. I just pray that the Lord will give you the understanding because this is deep. And many more things the Lord has revealed to us that make us to say, Jesus is the way. If you are from other religion, you better get Jesus into your heart. Because without him, you are nothing. Christ in us is the hope of our glory. And I'm praying right now for you that are listening that Lord, Help the believers, help those that are listening to be able to comprehend these things and to exercise their patience, to exercise that the Lord is coming soon and they want to move to the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.